The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today I have with me David Bass. Go to 3xconversionformula.com forward slash details to find out more. David, thank you for being with me today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Just before we begin, here's a quick introduction for David. David is a very talented copywriter and email marketing expert. He has generated over $25 million for his clients and supported the growth of their business using email lists and collecting opt-in emails for his clients. He's also worked with some very high-profile people and companies, including Stompanet, Brendan Burchard, David Wolf, and Laurel Langemeyer and many other top experts in this industry. So, David, thank you very much for being with me today. I'm happy to be here. David, how did you get into this business? So, um, I've been doing this now for about seven years, which they almost say are net marketing years are like dog years, so that's you know closer to 50, if you will. <laughs> Before that, I spent about just under 10 years doing information security, um, I worked for big five consulting companies like PricewaterhouseCoopers and KPMG Consulting. I finished up at Northrop Grumman. Um, but I was, I was a, a very hardcore at a top secret clearance, uh, security consultant. And then, um, there was a strange kind of set of circumstances that ended up having me work on the original StopperNet project. But then after that first project, I ended up kind of breaking off with a, a partner and then really kind of focusing on launches. And when I first got into this space and I started managing these situations, I realized that there were three kind of key technologies. It was the kind of the affiliate stuff, you know, the tracking, the recording, the affiliate links. It was the shopping cart stuff, everything that's involved in, in taking money. And then it was the email stuff, both the email systems, the you know way you write your subject lines, the way you write your body copy. So I kind of identify email as one of the three kind of critical pieces of, of this online promotional thing that I started kind of doing back then. And, you know, I just, because of that, I, and, and because of my background and, and realizing, you know, kind of technology and, and how the critical pieces really are just that, they're critical. Um, I just spent a lot of time both trying stuff, working with people, studying stuff. Um, so, yeah, so it was, it was a matter of first identifying the email technology is kind of a, a critical linchpin piece of the equation. And then because of that, and kind of because of my background and just being extremely diligent, I have just done a ton of work to really, you know, increase my both you know knowledge and skills in that area. Okay, so David, I wanted to speak to you about how to make money with email marketing, which you've done plenty of. $25 million is certainly quite a nice number to have achieved. Um, so if we can get some tips on how to get similar results, that would be awesome. And, you know, if, uh, if maybe not quite that much, then we'll settle for a little bit less. So, uh, you know, what are some ways that we can monetize email? So the, the, the dream, and, and this is like anything else, there's no such thing as an overnight success. You know, every overnight success you've heard of, chances are there's a lot of kind of blood, sweat and tears to, to get to that point. Uh, but, but kind of the, the dream situation is, you know, you, you kind of hit the send button and you watch money come in, right? It's almost like a magic button. Unfortunately, it's, it's not, it's not quite that easy where you just hit a button and money comes in. So it, it seems like, you know, obviously email is a tool. It's a communication, you know, mechanism. And I know there's some questions you have coming up that, that will kind of go into that a little bit more in depth. But, um, essentially it's, it's a matter of what are you using your messaging for that brings in the money. So in certain situations, like uh, I just finished a promotion called App Empire, where we brought in just under $3 million. Uh, we, you know, and this is a kind of a typical kind of uh, product launch sequence where you spend a number of days giving away content, right? Never actually asking them to buy something, just mm-hmm. giving value. And by doing that, you're building reciprocity, you're developing credibility, uh, no like and trust, rapport. Uh, but in that time period, the, the email isn't really used to kind of bring in money. It's used to set up 
the money that's going to come in later by kind of warming them up and then keeping them engaged and giving them value. And then when you switch to, in that kind of situation, the, the promotion going from the, the giving kind of phase to the, you know, soliciting sales phase, um, you'll send out emails that both let them know about the value of, of your offer and then drive them to a page where they can eventually, you know, click on a, a purchase button and they, you know, can give you money. Um, so that's one way. It's this concept of first kind of using email to create rapport and then engagement. And then after you, and this is the way I look at it, after you kind of earn the right to ask them to consider an offer, that's when you can then use email to drive them to the pages where you're, where you're offering your product, your promotion. So that's, that's, that's in a promotion, how you do it. You, you both kind of, uh, use email to communicate value and then you uh, use it to communicate what you're offering and then you try to drive them to a page to purchase. Another very typical way email is used to make money is in affiliate promotions. Now, uh, let me back up and say to, to build an email list is, you know, obviously can be anywhere from, you know, sort of hard to very hard. Um, and people, you know, once it's like, it's like, one of my old sayings is, is rocket science isn't rocket science to a rocket scientist, right? Like obviously after you built your list, right? And there's these, these, these other kind of businesses that are allowing you to, to offer their product and, and make a cut of it, a commission. Um, so, so taking aside the fact that it, it often is hard to, to build that email list. Once, once you've built that email list, one of the ways you can monetize it is by supporting other businesses, product offers, and a lot of times you'll get anywhere from 40 to 60 plus percent of the actual sale price as commission. So all you do is send out an email with a link that, that ties the, uh, the clicker to you so that they know that you're the one that drove that person. And if the person ends up buying a product from that business, you get paid for having sent the email, giving them the link and having them gone to that promotion through the link in your email. Um, so that's, that's kind of a way you're making money using other people's products, but, but your email list, uh, and that's, you know, when that, when you have that email list and you can do that, it, I have to admit it is kind of enjoyable to be able to like, you know, I polish email, but pretty much send, send an email out. Uh, and then because of that email, you know, three weeks later, four weeks later, you see a check come in for 2000, 5000, 20,000, um, so yeah, so those are kind of two nice kind of solid ways. One is uh, an actual uh, promotion that you're running where you might use email to first get value and then you might use it to uh, explain the offer and then drive them to a page where they can take the offer. And the second area would be when you're mailing for someone else's uh, offer and their promotion and using your email list to send your affiliate link, that, that URL that ties that traffic to you. Um, and when that and when your audience, your email list buys that product, you get a piece of it. So you can either sell your own things or other people's stuff with affiliate offers. But the key is you need to have people to send an email to in the first place. One typical method to build an email list is to use a squeeze page. Do you have any tips for getting a lot of opt-ins from a squeeze page? Because some squeeze pages don't work very well and it doesn't do its own job very well. So do you have any tips on how to create a squeeze page that really gathers a lot of emails? Yeah, so I'm going to start this by saying that people should be very aware that there's kind of two, two different categories of, of opt-in pages or space pages, same thing. Um, category one, which is what I'm most familiar with and what I can give a lot of advice and I'll give some, some suggestions in this area. But category one is when you are having affiliates so other people with email lists send people, send their people to your opt-in page or your squeeze page. The, so that's category one when, when it's essentially, uh, relationship-based traffic that someone is recommending they look at your page and your, and go to your opt-in page. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second major category is paid traffic, you know, namely Google. And what, what I'm about to go over as far as some different tactics and strategies for um, increasing, you know, the opt-in conversion on, on an opt-in page really is designed for affiliate traffic and, and affiliate um, kind of audiences. So 
I'm, I'm giving that caveat so you realize that if you do some of the stuff we're about to talk about and you try to send pay traffic to it, you won't get any pay traffic because you'll be slapped and, and they won't send you traffic because they'll ban your site essentially. So definitely a very distinct difference between opt-in suite, you know, again, opt-in, opt-in page, squeeze page are interchangeable. Though people use, you know, either word, but they mean the exact same thing. Um, but there's a very distinct difference between the way you'll design an opt-in page for affiliate traffic and the way that you design, um, an opt-in page for pay traffic. So having said that, in with affiliate traffic. So this is when someone has a list that they're sending their traffic to you. Uh, there is no Google on the other side who's scrutinizing your page to determine if there's appropriate amount of kind of content for what you're doing. But if it's an affiliate uh, opt-in page, one of my kind of go-to tactics for adding anywhere from 7 to 15% more leads for the same activity that you're doing is putting in a exit pop. Now, an exit pop means that when someone tries to leave that web page, they get a little message that pops up, and it, as fast as possible, encourages them to stay on the page for, for a different reason. I personally like sending them to a different-looking opt-in page and giving them a different type of value. So if you were Originally asking them to leave their information for a video, maybe this time you'll say, Hey, I have an awesome PDF for you. Right? Um, so it would be, it would be more written words than it is video. Or I have a great audio for you. Video versus audio. But I like not only giving them a different kind of value, I like actually giving it in a different way. So it might trigger people that are more interested in reading than they are watching. And that's the basic concept. So if they if they go to your opt-in page and for whatever reason decide they're not going to leave their information and they try to exit out, they'll get a message that says, "Hey, you know, I have this awesome uh, audio on on how to you know better send email out. You know, click stay on page and leave your information, and I'll and I'll send that to you right away." Uh, doing that exit pop for another opt-in the last three times I've done it has brought in no less than like 8 or 9% extra leads, uh, probably close to t- you know, 10 to 12%. And the way I know that is because that, that opt-in goes to a different list or an Infusionsoft different tag, and I could see how many came in that way versus how many came in overall, and then obviously I could do the math to figure out what the percentages that it added. So that's a great kind of way, affiliate traffic, to uh, skim, you know, an extra, you know, uh, Again, five, seven, ten, twelve percent more leads to the same exact thing you're doing, right? It's the same exact traffic. All you're doing is, is adding a little extra code to the page that after they try to leave, it then drives them to a different page and encourages them to leave their information. Another thing that's great. Um, oh, here's, uh, and this is, uh, this is probably my, I don't know, number one tactic. And, and it's not always accurate, but it, it seems to be accurate about 90% of the time. Which is if you take an opt-in page with a video, really cool video, spent all kinds of time, effort, right? You, you, you paid someone to, to edit it and put cool graphics on it. So really, really cool, savvy video. Not some cheesy thing, like really good. And you, instead of the video, you have a screenshot of like the first, you know, of, of the, of the first, you know, image they see when they're, if they go to the next page to watch the video that they're getting. And all it is is, a, is an image, and if they click on the image, right, so you can put a little play button, right? So it looks like it's a video, and they have to hit, you know, the play button to start it. And when they click on it, you have a little message pop up. I think it's done in Java, JavaScript, really easy for, for anyone that knows anything about coding, which I don't, but, you know, basic <laughs> level coders can do it. Um, and you have a little message pop up that says, hey, in order to watch this incredible video, with David Bass talking about email marketing, just leave your information over there on the right, and we'll send it over to you right away. Uh, it seems like a non, a, a, two opt-in pages, the exact same, one with a video, one with copy. That copy will convert better than a video opt-in page. It's almost as if, again, especially in affiliate traffic. I'm not saying this is the same with paid traffic or for affiliate traffic. It's as if when they first 
clicking the link in the email they received to, to, you know, recommend going to your site. It's as if when they click on that link, there's a hundred percent chance they're going to leave their information because why else would they click on the link? Right. Unless the email was this mysterious type that didn't tell them what, you know, what they were going to, you know, what they're getting. But as long as the email is somewhat transparent and says, Hey, go over here to get a video from, from, you know, Joe Bushnell talking about, uh, SEO. Then when they get to that page, it's almost like, why don't they leave their information? They clicked on a link to, to get it. And I think the answer is, at least philosophically or theoretically, is that anything on that page can cause what, what my partner in a product and I call friction, which means it, it, it causes them to no longer be interested. So it's like if you have a 45 second video, Versus if you have a copy that takes, you know, eight seconds to read through, that extra 30 some seconds gives them more opportunity to decide that this is not something that they're interested in and therefore they won't leave the, you know, they will not leave their information. Um, it's not true for sales pages. This is just often pages in the affiliate space. Uh, it, it seems like every time I've done split testing with a video page and a non-video page, all else being equal, the non-video page will convert anywhere from 8 to 15% higher than the video version of it. Um, so obviously you always want to split the test and, and, you know, never take anything as far as, you know, a rule when it comes to this kind of stuff. But I've seen that happen over and over and over again that a, a static kind of version of an opt-in page versus a video version of an opt-in page will just convert better. Um, so that's a really good tip that if you're, if you're working on an opt-in page and you have a really cool video, even though it might hurt you inside because you spent so much time and even money to make that video happen, uh, testing against a page that's more basic really may surprise you that despite, you know, the other one looking cooler, you know, having taken more time and so on and so forth, the, the kind of more basic page might convert better. And what you don't want to do, obviously, is have an ego about it and think to yourself, well, I spent 20 hours creating this video. I'm going to use it no matter what, right? Like if, if you realize that a different page is going to convert better, you just have to let it go and realize, you know, no use trying to over spilled milk. You know, there was good intention, but you know, now that you realize that the the page that took you know an hour to create versus the page of the video that took 20 hours to create, it's just going to get you better results. Um, so definitely a, a very kind of uh, both hot tip, but, but modern, because I don't think this was always that way. I think at first the video came out, it was more powerful. And I think now people are, are they're no longer kind of shocked and awed by the video. So now it's, it has to stand on its own merit. And that extra amount of time on the page just seems to be something that allows them to not leave their information. So something to consider. So if we do the exit pop strategy, we shouldn't do that on things like Facebook ads and Google ads, because that will get us slapped. But if we're doing it as an affiliate offer, then we can include that and, uh, and benefit from it. And also I'm, I'm intrigued that, um, you know, that you said that the basic squeeze page actually outpulls the one with the video. The, the video actually hinders it in a way. So, uh, you know, that's kind of counterintuitive. I mean, I don't know a guy named Dean Graziosi who's, uh, kind of in the real estate space, but, um, uh, my, my, the partner on a product that I created, um, was working with him on his pre-launch and Dean had created this really savvy video that had him like going back in time if he hadn't made his decision to essentially go into real estate. And if he had stayed kind of as a mechanic, you know, what his life would have been. And then it, you know, fast forward, all kinds of cool stuff. And in the end, a basic copy version with a moving arrow, you know, and a couple different places to leave their information converted 12% better than his expensive video you know, expensive in the sense it cost him a lot to make that money to make the video. Um, I mean, they tested 27 versions of opt-in pages and what won was the basic, simple, you know, little copy, three or four bullets of value and a couple of opt-in boxes, you know, at moving arrow pointing to the box saying, Hey, you know, Hey person, make sure you leave your information right here. Um, but yeah, so uh, I definitely would not necessarily get kind of bamboozled by by cool technology and cool imagery when it comes to opt-in pages, you, you might be surprised if you test, you know, what you spend a lot of money to create to get something that doesn't cost you as much, it might actually convert better. 
Let's assume, David, that uh, some of the people listening to this already have a list. What if they currently aren't converting very well? Their email marketing is not really working for them. What things can they do to increase their conversions? How can they get a better relationship with their audience? I mean, is it too late? Can you fix that kind of a problem or not? Can. Um, the, the best way to fix a relationship issue by far is, is give them two, three to four, five emails in a row. That does nothing but give them value. Now, it's either, that's either, it's either value in the email itself and or it's, it's the email drives them to a place that gives them value. Now, you can't be tricky, right? This isn't, this isn't value that leads to a pitch, right? Like that's what a promotion is. And that's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about standalone value that they can get benefit from that, that has nothing selling associated with it. You give you give a list, three, four, five emails that are, are robust emails with actual, you know, content and value within whatever niche that you're in, you'll see that if you then, you know, five emails later after giving them just value, you know, five times in a row, you'll notice that your your results on an affiliate promotion or your an internal promotion increase by no less than 10, 20 percent. So sometimes taking some time off of selling to your list will make you a lot more in the long run. So that's probably, you know, a tip right there, which is, you know, the, the, the typical percentage I give and, and it's list dependent. Some can tolerate a little bit more pitching. Some, some can't, but the basic percentage is somewhere in the neighborhood of 80%, 80 to 90% uh, content and value. For the 10 to 20% direct pitch. Now, some, some of that value can be in the course of a progression that leads to a pitch, but it has to still be value on itself that they could get tips in, in that webinar or that video that they could use and they could actually benefit from and they could buy nothing at all and still have gotten value from having spent the time to watch that video and that webinar, listen to that teleseminar. Um, so it's, it's really, really important that, that you give your list again, 80 and 90% value. And, and if some of that value again leads to a pick, that's fine. But, but 80 and 90% emails that deliver value and content in some way, uh, for that 10, 20%, hey, go here. I recommend it. Buy it. And. If you if your list is waning, if it's not responding as well as it used to, it's one of two issues. One is your email system. That's a whole different topic. Uh, but the other one is you just haven't given enough value, and it's you know if it's you know if you're if you're constantly seeing just straight offers in in your email from a brand, at some point you're going to say this is BS and you're going to unsubscribe because because you originally you know left your information for a cool video on blah blah blah. And now all that you're seeing is buy this, buy that, buy this. And, you know, that's the extreme, but, but I think you can clearly see that if, if you, you know, left your information for some kind of value and then, you know, you got 15 emails in a row that try to sell you on something, you're going to cry, you know, shenanigans and then almost call it spam. And, and, you know, no matter what, you're going to leave that list. So yeah, so I, I've seen it over and over again where lists that were, you know, for lack of a better word, hurting, um, the list owner spent, you know, two weeks just giving value and then that third week later their list responded again 10 20 30 percent better than it had before they started that value sequence um so without a doubt that's that's probably the number one kind of consideration when it comes to both maintaining a list and or kind of reviving a list that that you know is either dying or dead it's, it's all about giving them valuable information, ideas, tips, tactics, strategies that they can actually use to get results without ever giving you a penny. So when you've got this content that you're sending out to people, do you have that lined up as a sequence, all prepared to go out automatically when people sign up? Or do you just send out a broadcast as and when you feel like it? So there's no right answer to that in the sense of there's, a, there's different list owners do it different ways. Some list owners 
have have no sequence at all. It's they opt in for for something and then they get put into you know a big bucket called broadcast list. Whenever they want to give value, they brought they, you know send to everybody. Some list owners will have what they call a welcome sequence, which means that after the person opts in, they'll get a string of emails that might be a combination of of content, might be pitch, might be for your offer, might be for someone else's offer, but you know anywhere from two weeks to two months of of known emails that you preloaded to go to anyone who comes into your system in you know whatever time increment you know every you know every other day every third day whatever you feel comfortable with, but but what that does is it it starts off your people kind of at a baseline and it it, it kind of puts the new people through uh, a monetization sequence, meaning, you know, you have a, you have 15 emails, the first three are value, fourth one pitches your product, and you get three more value, and the fourth one after that pitches, you know, a third-party product. Whatever that looks like, uh, it's a matter of, you know, you have this known good content, and you have these known good offers, and if you run everyone that comes to your system through that sequence, at the end of it, you may end up with a situation where you know that everyone that enters your system is going to be worth at least, you know, a dollar twenty-five to you. Because in the end, you know, if you know, in in a month, let's say you get a thousand leads, and you ended up making, you know, whatever twelve twelve hundred fifty bucks. That means that each lead was worth, you know, a buck and a quarter to you. You know, that came into the system. Obviously, it's averaging it, you know, from people that purchased versus not. Uh, that's it's a really good way of doing it because then it, it kind of starts everyone off you know, on the same foot. And then when they're done that sequence, either automatically or manually, they get moved into this, you know, overall list or bucket, which whenever you're, you know, sending out real-time content or you have, you know, promotion you're supporting, that's the list that the list owner will mail to is this kind of post-welcome uh, sequence, you know, list after they've gone through the, the first you know, X amount of emails. Um, I, I do think, New people, you know, should go through a known sequence to both give them lots of, of value and then, and then kind of, you know, give them, you know, some key kind of known, uh, offers that convert well, have good brands behind it, good support, all the things that you want when you support a third party that's not your own business. So that's definitely, um, something that you can do to, you know, get your list kind of going better. How often should we be emailing our list? And, and what's worse, emailing too often? Is that the biggest sin or not emailing enough? Is that the worst mistake? How often do you send your emails? So I'm going to, I'm going to overlay this answer with the concept of keeping in mind what I just said, you know, two minutes ago, which is no matter how often you mail, that ratio of, of value to pitch has to, has to be maintained. Right. So you can mail, let's say you mail, um, twice a week, right? So that's eight times a month. That means of those eight emails, you know, at least six of them should really be kind of either standalone value or, you know, really good value that leads to an eventual pitch. But, but that email itself was, was value. Um, versus if you mailed every day, 30 times a month, you still need to make sure that, you know, 24 of those emails are value, you know, whatever the percentages are, you know, for the six that are direct, you know, go here, buy that. So part one is uh, no matter how how often you mail, you know, little or a lot, that, that concept of giving enough value to earn the right to, to pitch has to be maintained or you will start seeing accelerated unsubscribes. What, what I see from, from daily mailers I know a number of them is per situation, they get lower results, right? So if they mailed twice a week and they mailed promotion, they might make, it's going to make a number of $10,000. But in that week, they're mailing every day. So they mail two promotions. So in each promotion, instead of making 10, they might make six, right? 60%, but they fit two in that same time period, which means that the total they made was 12. So what, what I seem to be hearing from people that mail every day, uh, part one is you don't see people freaking out, right? Again, maintain that ratio of content to pitch, but they, people don't like, you don't see an accelerated unsubscribe, meaning you don't see the number of unsubscribes start getting 
higher and higher percentages from what they were because you're mailing every day. However, if even if you have the same unsubscribe kind of rate you have, if you mail twice as often, six times a week versus three times, you're still going to have double the attrition. It's going to be a faster attrition. So most daily mailers have a steady stream of new leads coming into their system. So that's that's part that's the rub if you're going to be a daily mailer is you really need to have a regular source of, of leads to kind of offset the fact that you're mailing so often you're you're getting you know all the extra unsubscribes just because you're mailing twice as often to so get twice as many unsubscribes. Um, but I have not met a daily mailer yet who knows what they're doing that has not said doing it that way makes them less money. Every dealer mailer I've ever talked to says they make more money by mailing every day. Uh, it's a lot harder because you still have to maintain that ratio. So you have to find, you know, value to give to the pitches. But, um, so that's part one. One of, one of my, my day bash rules is most list owners don't mail enough, don't mail their list often enough. And then the problem is that, that when you mail too little, A, they forget about you. You don't have a maintained engagement. You know, you kind of touch them and you leave for a while and touch them again. There's, there's no consistency. Um, there's no conversation. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you're talking to your, your aunt versus talking to your best friend, right? Your aunt you talk to, you know, every so often, your best friend you talk to every day. Um, so, okay. And, and, and just to give you the extreme yeah. on this last promotion, I broke my, my personal record. Um, now there was, there was this perfect storm of circumstances that, that allowed me to do this. And, and my, my personal joke around this is, you know, this was a TV show, you know, the person doing this is an expert, you know, don't try this at home or you'll get your email account suspended. But on the final day of, of, of this most recent multi-million dollar promotion, I managed to send seven emails between that morning and that night, each email getting over 12% open rate, each email getting between 25 and 35 plus percent of the openers clicking, which just those are really solid numbers. Um, so it, again, it was a perfect storm of both final day, a six hour webcast. It was this balance between kind of, you know, doors are closing and here's this amazing value. Uh, but I managed to mail seven separate times and did not have an issue. In fact, we brought in that day like 600 grand in sales. So again, I, I do, I do not recommend that to anyone that is not you know, an expert email marketer that really has a, a extremely solid grasp on the audience, on the situation, on, on how to balance kind of you know, value for pitch. But, but having said that, I managed to mail seven times a day and, and not, you know, I didn't get the account suspended. I, I didn't see, you know, results plummeting. Um, so that's the extreme, 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 extreme. Again, I don't recommend that at home, but it just gives you an understanding that based on, on the situation, the circumstance, you know, you can, you can mail even as much as seven times a day. Mm-hmm. You know, again, don't recommend it, but it just proves the point that you can. So it, I always think that most list owners baby their list too much and, and, and don't mail their list enough. Um, they might think in their heads that they mail more often in their heads. They're, they're mailing more offers, more pitches. And that is bad. Obviously they have to give, you know, value in the process. But, but, um, yeah, I definitely think, you know, if someone's mailing, you know, twice a week, they should definitely consider going up to like, you know, three or four times a week. If you're mailing four times a week, you might want to consider the daily mailer concept if you have the time and the resources to, to, you know, to make it happen. But, um, everyone I've, I've talked to that's transitioned from, you know, three, three, four times a week to six, seven times a week always tells me they're making more money at the end of the month when they do their balance sheets. And if we're not doing at least once a week, if we're doing anything less than that, then people are going to be starting to forget who we are and why they're on our list in the first place. I look at that situation and I just see, you know, if it was a car, I see oil being, you know, leaking all over the place. If it was a human, I see blood pouring out. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a huge waste of a resource. You know, and, and you're just leaving, you know, the expression leaving a ton of money on the table, that's, that's what's happening by doing that. Um, but yeah, for God's sakes, if you're, if you have a list and you're, you're not mailing at least once a week, you know, figure out how I would say, I would say if you're not mailing at least, you know, minimally, 
minimally twice a week, but more minimally three times a week, then, then you need to get up to that. And, and if you're mailing three times a week, you might want to consider you can possibly slip in, you know, a fourth, you know, or even a fifth, you know, message in a week. Let's talk about subject lines. When we're browsing through our emails, we see subject lines and depending on the subject line, we either click it or we don't. The subject line in your testing, does it have a, a big effect? There's, there's two things that, that determine kind of your open rate. One is, is technology. Did you even get to their inbox? Right? Or if you end up in the spam box, there's, you know, 80% of people never look at their spam box. So your open is going to be real bad, not because you had a bad subject line, but because they never saw your email. So, um, so that's part one. You know, there's, there's always the technological aspect of, of, you know, getting you know, opens. Let's say that that's locked in stock though, and that's not an issue. Um, so, a hundred percent, the difference between getting a 12% open rate in a list and a 16% open rate is the subject line. Like, like I, one thing, one of the things I'll do on occasion, you know, cause I manage numerous lists of different clients is I'll just skim through, you know, the previous 15, 20, 30 emails on a list, look at the open rates, look, look what got the highest and then look at the subject lines to see kind of, you know, what caused those higher, those higher open rates. There was a there was a guy that came out with a concept called rubbernecking effect, which is uh, the subject line of bad news, like you know, got better results for him than than all kinds of stuff like you know, free this, you know, by this guy who's a big name. Mm-hmm. And his idea was that similar to when you're driving on a road and you see a car wreck and you slow down to look at it, the rubberneck effect. Mm-hmm. Similarly, if someone sees a subject line that's that's you know, bad news. I mean, it's negative. They'll slow down to look at it. Um, a tactic that, that, that I teach in my, in, in the one product I have on email marketing, um, takes that kind of to the next level and says that not everyone is, is turned on by negative, right? So we like actually using a negative and positive idea in the same subject line. Um, so using the bad news example, it might be bad news. Uh, I actually like some people use parentheses. Uh, one of my go-to tactics is using a arrow that goes. So if you're looking at the screen, you have you type three or four words, and then you have a um, greater than or less than. The one that points to the left, and then you might put you know three dashes or three little tildes or three equal signs to make an arrow. You would say something in the first part that might be um, you know using the bad news example. Bad news. And then you would make your arrow that points to it. And the right side of the arrow, you might say, um, you know, inspirational ending or, or inspirational. Like, so it's both negative, you know, bad news, but then there's something, you know, to give them a light into the tunnel. And, and I think there are people that, that do respond to positive, you know, versus negative. So putting that negative and positive motif in your subject line, uh, I do believe will cause greater engagement and greater openness. Um, so that's part one is you, um, definitely want to make sure that, you know, if you're, if you're doing this negative tactic, try, try throwing in a positive concept, you know, in the same subject line. Um, our words are very important, you know, shocking, catastrophic. Those are my, those are my critical, uh, powerful, revealed, discovered, you know, these words that, that elicit some kind of almost emotion in someone because they're, they're power words. Like what you don't want is a subject line. It's like a sentence, right? You don't want it to be plain vanilla. You want it to be something that, that jumps and that catches attention. Um, you know, again, my, my, my two little tips for your audience, you use the word, you know, catastrophe or catastrophic and, and or use the word, you know, shocking or shockingly. And, and you'll probably notice you're hitting a higher, kind of range of open rates than you did, you know, without doing that kind of thing. There's definitely, I mean, in your audience, sometimes audiences respond better to, you know, kind of more dramatic stuff. Sometimes audiences get turned off by, by really dramatic stuff. So again, there's not going to be a right answer as far as what's going to, you know, cause lists to open more often. Uh, definitely what I just went over as far as using some more kind of stronger words and, and words that elicit kind of feelings will, will help and help a lot. But do recognize that like when I'm work when I'm working in the personal development niche, which is like this self-help niche, it's it's I use it a different kind of mentality than when I'm writing to the internet marketing and business opportunity niche. 
the business opportunity and internet marketing niche is a harder hitting, you know, attack the negative more like more heavily and, and, and stronger. Personal development is a little softer, it's a little nicer. And if you approach those people the same way that, that you did the other people that works for the other people, you're going to lose your rapport and your engagement. So uh, I'm only saying that to make sure that, you know, that, that your audience is cautioned to ever take, you know, advice from someone in one space and try to, you know, use it exactly, you know, in your, you know, in your space, your niche, your audience. Um, there's a lot of nuances and a lot of kind of differences based on things like audiences and niches. And if you, if you take a cookie cutter approach to it, you're going to find out what cookie cutter approaches do, which is get you minimal results and then usually cause you all kinds of, you know, bad results, or at least not the results that you're hoping for or expecting. Um, so yeah, so, uh, not an exact science, but hopefully that gave some tips to help kind of improve such lines a little bit. It definitely did. Um, you said earlier about uh, open rates of, you know, 12 to 16%. Is that good? Is that the standard? No, it's such a wide range. If you're, if you're, if you're doing an affiliate promotion where these people just opted in, you know, for, you know, one of your videos, um, I can often get between 20, 25 and higher open rates on that kind of list. If you have a, you know, a prospect list that a brand owner is, you know, hasn't, you know, brought in eight months ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then, and let's say the person's list is half a million. Okay. The bigger it gets also, it's, you seem to see kind of, uh, open rates, you know, going down. Just, you know, it's kind of as one goes up, one goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, so I had a list I worked with that, um, was in kind of the dating niche and it, it was about 80,000 and he averaged between like three and 5% open rate, right? His clicks about 25 to 40% of the openers clicked. So it was a very like kind of responsive audience once they opened it. Um, but you know, last time I, I managed a promotion for him sending for someone else, we sent out five emails and we brought in in commission like $20,000, you know, um, so, you know, it's, 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 even though that's a low open rate, you know, how many people that are listening would love to make $20,000 for sending out five emails in their pocket, not, not revenue commission, you know, but that's not a 5% open rate versus, you know, my launch list. A lot of times, again, I'm getting 2025. 20, um, but okay. So that was a way of, of, of throwing a bunch of caveats in there that there's, there is no average. You know, it's really the range is, is so dramatic. Um, having said that, if someone were to like, you know, put a gun to my head and said, what's the average email rate, you know, out there? Um, I would probably say, you know, between you know, eight, eight on the kind of lower end to like 14, 15 on the upper end is probably a nice solid kind of uh, average, you know, between should like bad lists and really good lists. Some lists average 18, 20, 22. Again, some average four, six, eight. But I think that eight to 15 range that, you know, if you're, if you're hitting between eight and 15, you can at least say to yourself that, you know, you're doing something right. So let's assume that they have opened the email. Next comes the body copy and uh, often the links that we're trying to get people to, to click. So do you have any tips to make the body copy more persuasive and make people take action and click that link? That you're trying to get them to click. All right. So once again, there, there's, there's no, there's no right answer here. Obviously, um, there's some, there's some tactics you can use that that will increase clicks, but isn't actually necessarily going to mean better results on the other side. Um, so if if in the email you say very specifically when you click on this link. You're going to a webinar that teaches you how to optimize your website for search engines, right? The people that click on the link pretty much know why they're going, right? They're, yeah. they're, they're probably interested in search engine optimization. They know what they were going for. And, and chances are your opt-in rate will be high because the people that clicked on the link knew exactly why they were going. Versus if you say, 
what's the biggest mistake people make when trying to make money online? Is it A, and then, you know, is it A, you know, they, they spend too much money? Is it B, they don't get enough coaching? Is it C, uh, they don't have a good product? Is it D, they don't have a good process? Uh, and then you would say, uh, to find out the answer, click here. And then you would sign it. You might say, P.S., it's definitely not the, you really want to find out, you know, what the number one, you know, whatever the thing that people, you know, use to make money online is. Um, using that kind of, that kind of, uh, optional choice, but not really telling them what the hell it is that they're going over to, to, you know, what, what's on the other side of that link, you'll a hundred percent get a, get an artificially inflated amount of click, but chances are your, you know, opt-in page you're going to get, you know, an artificially lower amount of opt-ins per the people that went to that page because a percentage of them had no idea what was on that page and are not interested in search engine optimization and didn't realize that until after they got on the page because you didn't tell them what they were going to from the email. Um, so, uh, so do recognize that there are ways to get more clicks. It does not necessarily mean better results, right? Um, there's, okay, so having said all of that, if you want to get higher clicks, write an email with like two, three sentence paragraphs with a link in between. Like literally a sentence or two, a link, a sentence or two, your signature. That will probably get higher clicks than writing a 12 paragraph email that, that explains all kinds of stuff about, you know, what's on the other side of that link. So that, so you can't do that often. Or too often because people become desensitized to it and, and annoyed that all you're doing is, is tricking them to click, so to speak. Um, but if you want to speak about how can I increase my clicks, then it's, there, there are, you know, there are tactics like that that will 100% get you more clicks. Now, the, the, um, the absurd example of that would be if in your email you said, click on this link and, and you're going to win a million dollars. Like if they believed you, right? Like if you were from a show, like a, you know, something that, that gives away money, you know, how high is your click through going to be? But then if on the other page, it says opt in for a webinar on search engine optimization, how low is your opt in rate going to be? Because 90% of people that went there thought they won a million dollars, right? Again, it's a tactic you can use to, to, you know, trick people to click. Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get what you want after they click. Right. So, um, but you can use that smart, you know, intelligently. Like there's definitely, there's times where you know that the page you're going to is so good that you want to just get as many people over there as you possibly can. And in that kind of situation, you might want to, you know, do one of these kind of trick emails to get a click. Um, but yeah, so uh, I would not use more, uh, on a short medium email than two or three links. If it's a really long email, I wouldn't use more than four, most five links in an email. Uh, anytime you see, you know, paragraph link, paragraph link, paragraph link, paragraph link, paragraph link. Um, not only is it ugly and does it, does it tell people that you're, you know, a company and that you're, you're marketing to them. Um, it's also highly likely to get filtered as spam and, and onto the spam box because you had too many links for the amount of text that was in your email, which is one of the spam filters. So, uh, it's everything from, um, you know, being very transparent and trying to qualify people and therefore your clicks are going to be lower to being less transparent, you know, and, and not qualifying as much, getting higher clicks. But again, chances are your results on the other side aren't going to be as good percentage wise as it was when, when you were very clear about what they were, you know, why they were going to that page. Um, so yeah, so hopefully that gives some, some kind of advice and guidance on getting clicks. You mentioned there about the length of the emails. What's your favorite? Do you use a mix or do you sway towards short emails or long emails? So, um, oh, and, and just so I don't forget to say this, um, when it comes to like, so when I say link text, that means that it's, it's words that are, that are blue and underlined that when you click on any of the words in that, in that blue underlined, you know, kind of piece it goes to a web page, right? That's link text. There's two ways of doing that, right? Either, and the reason you do link text, so to speak, is to make sure it's clickable. And it's also so that when someone clicks, you can track that click so you can see that in your stats. So you can either 
as the clickable link, put words, which is what I do. I, I almost consider them like a little mini, you know, headline or like a subheadline, yeah. right? I actually try to use that link text as, as something to catch their attention and get them to click. Um, the other way, which you do not want to do, 100% do not want to do, is having your link text be the exact URL, right? Okay. So you, you, you have, instead of there being words, it says HTTP colon backslash backslash the link. Um, it's complicated as far as why, but, but just leave me at that is a spam filter when your link text is the exact same as your link. So you can actually just take the HTTP colon backslash backslash off and have it just be www dot, you know, your URL dot com. Just never want your link text to actually be HTTP colon backslash backslash whatever link you're sending it to. So length, short versus long. Um, the, the, the simple way of looking at it is if you're sending them to a page, be that an opt-in page, a sales page that is a known good page, meaning, you know, on average, you know, when people go to that page, you know, a decent amount purchase, right? Whatever that looks like for the price point and, and so on and so forth. But, but essentially you get, you know, good amount of people purchasing. So if you know the page itself is a really good web page, then you can use shorter email copy because shorter email copy tends to get higher clicks, right? It just, it doesn't bother them as much. It's, it's, it's a quicker decision versus if, if you're saying to a sales page that you know doesn't look great or an opt-in page that you know, isn't really clear, then you might send a longer email in order to pre-sell whatever it is you're driving them to, right? So some people always like pre-selling. They always like writing a long email that, that helps get them ready to take action on the next page. I would stipulate that if the page itself is good, you can often let it do the let, you know, it do the hard work for you. Yeah. And your job is just to get the click. But again, if, if you know the page isn't great, you might need to explain what the value is of the offer before sending them to the bad sales page. Or you might need to explain what they're getting when they opt in. If they're going to an opt in page that's not really very clear about, you know, what it is that they're opting in for. So, and, and the other piece of that is if you're, if you're actually giving content, then it can be a long email. Like if you want to actually send an email out that, that versus driving them to a blog post, you want to actually give them value in the email. Then obviously if you're writing an article, it's an article, it's going to be, you know, somewhat long. It's not going to be two or three short paragraphs. So giving value, that's another time where it's fine to write longer emails because, you know, it's hard to give value in, in two paragraphs. That balance between short and long. Um, short is very effective. It's very powerful, but it, 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 you can't use it all. You can't, can't use it all the time. I mean, you can, and your list is not going to respond as well as it can, you know, as it should. You're not going to get the results that, that, you know, you should. Um, so definitely a balance between short and long. Short when, when you know where you're sending them is good. Long when, when you're not, you know, sure you need to pre-sell it. And then long is also good for content. Again, there's probably no right or wrong answer to this one, David, but um, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say. Uh, HTML emails or plain text emails? I, I actually think there is a right or wrong answer to this one. Okay. Ironically, one of the few ones that, that I think is very um, clear as far as what, what gets better results. Um, now, again, there are there audiences that might respond better to one versus the other, and it's, it's, it's an exception. Well, you know, every rule has exceptions, so you know, there are exceptions, obviously. But in general, I like HTML emails that look mostly like text. Okay, so uh, obviously, link text is not text, right? The only way to make blue underline words that when you click on it go to a URL is by sending an HTML email, and you can't do that just in text. So there's definitely going to be aspects of the emails that I create that obviously someone's going to be like, you know, this is not a person sending me a personal email. There's, there's friggin' link text. My friend had never sent me an email with link text in it. Having said that, I do believe that if you have a Im- bunch of images in there and if you put a bunch of graphics in there, 
I, I think it really throws in the in the person who's reading its face that you're a company, that you're you know you're engaged in some kind of marketing activity, right? Because it it just screams corporate when you have images and you have graphics and this and that and the other versus mostly looking like text. Still HTML in the background, but mostly looking like text. I don't even really like underlining or bolding stuff. Some people do. I just like it looking like text, but using link text. And I want to track my emails. And the only way to track your emails, like how many opens you get, is by using HTML. You can't track a text-based email. Um, so 100%, you always want to use HTML. Um, if you're a, if you're a brand, a business that has no personality, the actual personality is the brand itself, then it can be an exception where you want to use more of a template because, because they know it's a company. You know what I mean? Like the relationship is with the brand. But when, when you're sending email, like, you know, you obviously have a brand, but you know, when the, when the brand owner is the relationship and it's coming from the brand owner, Again, you almost want to make it feel like it's a personal email, except that link text is more powerful at getting clicks, so you still use link text. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I really, uh, again, if you're a brand with no personality, no person, that's one thing, but, but especially in this like, affiliate marketing space, um, I really think you, you want HTML, looks like text, but using link text. Do you have any tips for beating the spam filters and actually getting into uh, people's inboxes in the first place? Yeah, don't send spam. No, I mean, so first and foremost, you know, most email providers have a, a spam checker, you know, and um, ideally you get that down to as close to zero, if not zero. And that might mean changing words that you don't want to change, but they're words that the spam filter is telling you will might might trigger a filter. So that's part one is you you know is is check against the spam filter and try to get that sucker down to zero. If you do, there's a good chance that, that at least none of these spam word filters will will get you. Unfortunately there's a bunch of different types of of things that can send you into spam. You know, if if your previous history of mailing and it's associated with the from mailing address domain, right? Not, not your eye contact IP range, your, you know, at Joseph, you know, Bushnell.com. That when an ISP sees emails coming in, they start recording and tracking, you know, the emails that are coming from a specific domain and they look to see the results. They see how people open it, how people click it, how people complain. So definitely, you know, First and foremost is getting rid of, of, of words that, that trigger spam. Um, but, you know, second, second is, is, you know, having consistency, you know, mailing three times a week. And, and when you mail, you use good, you know, a good subject line and good body copy. So you get, you know, you know, again, your eight to 12% kind of open rates, your, you know, 15 to 35% of the openers clicking. And if you, the more often you get better results, the better the ISTs look at you and the less likely they are to, you know, put you in a spam just because you're unknown. Right. Um, so that's a spam filter is your previous mailing history. Unfortunately, there's some other stuff nowadays too. Um, you're from mailing address domain. Again, you know, the place that where it says, you know, who the email's from and it's got you know, Johnny Utah at bushnell.com. Um, it's, it's, it's gonna look, okay, so different domains look at different stuff, but at the very high level, uh, there's, there's two slash three primary things that you're actually supposed to do on your domain, not in your email system. This is your from address domain. So, uh, not, not appropriate for this call, but there's something called a sender policy framework record that you add to your DNS records. Which, when Google comes and checks out your, you know, the, the DNS computer or server at your domain, it actually references that you're, you're going to be sending out email and what the IP range is that they might be coming from. So, 
there, it's called FPF, uh, something else called sender ID. It's another kind of thing you put on your, on your from address domain that helps the ISPs authenticate that you're supposed to be sending email. It's intentional and so on and so forth. Um, so that's just two tips that if your audience wants to kind of look up SPF record or sender ID, they could get more information about it. But that's got nothing to do, you know, with, with how you write your email, the words you use in your email, do you use free, like, you know, spam words. It's got everything to do with how the domain is set up that's in the from address of the email. It's, it's that kind of stuff is new within the last six to 10 months. So, you know, it, this is, this is relatively cutting edge type, um, activity you have to do in order to improve the results of your email that, you know, definitely 12 months ago was not necessary. Uh, in the old days, I could actually send from a Gmail account. I could say jvmanager at gmail.com when I was on a promotion. Now, if you try to send a broadcast from a Gmail account, it doesn't work. I mean, it'll work, but I guarantee you a good percentage will go into spam because they want to see an actual owned from domain, not a public domain in the from email address. Um, so yeah, so that I know was, was a bunch thrown out at once, but it, it covered everything from, you know, specific words that you want to, you know, you know, kind of review for and get rid of. It covered kind of domain side stuff that you need to do. For instance, if you, um, you know, if you're on, if you're trying to send email from your own server, like, you know, you bought a, a hosting thing and you put up like a, you know, an SMTP server, an exchange server, you a hundred percent, you know, for the same exact email, you're a hundred percent going to get horrible results in, in comparison that if you had I contact or a web or send your email, right? Mm-hmm. So that has nothing to do with the way you create the email. It's got everything to do with, with the network and the server that you're, you're using to send the email from. So don't want to scare anybody, but, but the, the rabbit hole goes fairly deep as far as different areas that if you don't kind of have handled can send you into spam. Mm-hmm. You know, basic is using the wrong words. More sophisticated, it is not enhancing the domain that the email is coming from as far as the email address in the from, you know, the from kind of window. My final question was, what are the advantages of list segmentation? So part one with the segmentation is it allows you to uh, send emails to a smaller group of your list in regards to a topic area that the rest of your list might not be interested in, right? So if you have a list that is um, associated with, with self-help, self-enhancement, so, so let's say at one point you send your entire list something and the subject line is great business opportunity for you, right? Like the subject line is very clear that when you click it, when you, when you open it, it's related to a business opportunity. But your list is personal development. But what you can do is anyone that opens that email Let's say your, your, your link inside says, Hey, if you want a great business opportunity, click here, right? So anyone that clicks on that link is at least somewhat interested in business opportunity. Mm-hmm. So you can segment, you know, anyone that opened or clicked on that email. And then next time, you know, you have a friend that has a business opportunity offer, you can mail just that segment, the business opportunity offer without having to bother you know, the other 80% of your list that isn't interested in business development stuff, they're only interested in the self-help stuff that you're offering to begin with, right? So it allows you to, again, mail more often because you know that you're not going to necessarily be bothering this group because that group, however they got segmented, you know, has shown interest in, in a specific topic area. Um, so it's a matter of one, being able to communicate with people that are interested in, in what you're talking about without bothering people that aren't. Mm-hmm. And two, because that you know for a fact they're interested in an area, chances are your overall kind of conversion percentage is going to be higher because you're only sending the messages to people that are interested in the topic that you're sending about. Make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So 
definitely something that we should do. Are all the autoresponders generally offering this uh, ability, or is it necessary that we should get something like Infusionsoft or Entreport or one of the more advanced uh, CRM tools? If we want to get really uh, good and advanced at list segmentation, what would you recommend there? Yeah, you would need, I mean, you need something like Infusionsoft that can um, put a label on them based on the activity or action they took. Um, yeah, Office Autopilot does it, Infusionsoft does it, a contact no ever do not do it, not like that. It doesn't, you can do some type of segmentation, but not, not this concept of, you know, tell me everyone that, you know, opens, you know, this, that, or that email. Not easy to pull those people up in, in, in some of the ESPs. Um, but Infusionsoft, as long as you label them when they took the action by setting it up that way, you can always then go back and say, you know, who is labeled because they took, you know, X action. And then you can create a list of those people and then you can, you know, do what you want with them. Cool. Um, but yeah, so segmentation, um, although it's, it's not necessary, it can definitely, uh, you know, increase your your revenue and, and kind of add you know, points to your bottom line, so to speak. David, thank you so much for doing this interview with me today. Where can we get more of your information? I know that you have some courses which go really detailed on all of this. Yeah, um, the one place that if, you, if you're interested, this is, a, this is the product that um, I put together with, with kind of a colleague. It took us six months to put it together, um, but it covers kind of Email, uh, opens and clicks, it covers opt-in page again for affiliate space, opt-in page, you know, tips and tracking strategies, and then it goes over, uh, sales pages, copy sales pages, not video sales letter pages. Um, but that's kind of, um, something that we created that I think is pretty good and really can help people, I think, learn a lot. And, and if you go to this page, the, the top part is slightly outdated because it was a, um, page we created for kind of a promotional period and we just haven't updated it yet but it should still be active and if, if anyone is interested this would be a um, place that they can take a look at least at what I put together which is 3xconversionformula.com with a backslash and then the word details in lowercase so it's 3xconversionformula.com slash details um, and yeah so that kind of gives over gives a little background about me and then, you know, probably put together. And then at some point, you know, if you have any people that are interested in affiliate promotions, it's not a date now, but, you know, you can always check back there once in a while and see when I've updated it. Uh, it's, it's a website called JV Launch Pros. Uh, and that's just where I, you know, my partner and I kind of housed uh, the information about what we did, our business, and then testimonials, and then we put, you know, upcoming promotions. Um, I split up with my partner about six months ago. Totally amicably, he just kind of wanted to do some other stuff. So I've, I've kind of taken over that brand. Uh, so at some point, uh, depending on when people are hearing this, that might have already been updated and it'll just be my stuff. Or if they go there, they'll see kind of myself and my former partner. But that does kind of give um, some more background about kind of me and, and some stuff I've done. Great. That's the end of today's episode. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. And David, thank you once again for coming on the show. I'm happy to do it, and I hope uh, your audience you know, learned some great tips and tactics today. The Online Marketing Show, every day with Joseph Bushnell, helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. 